Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe. The word means to have faith in and put faith in and trust in and rely upon, but not just believe in Him, but to know experientially and personally. It's the word gnosko. It's to have a, we have a real experience with you. And we know you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, The Bread of Life. We're in the middle of John chapter 6, taking up today in verse 33, and we will finish the chapter. Now, Jesus has just proclaimed that he is the bread of life given to them by God. And for the rest of this chapter, we're going to consider the people's reaction to this statement by our Lord. So let's listen in. This is the heart of his message to them and to us. My Father provides, He provides me, and I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Well, they said, Lord, give us this bread always. Like the woman at the well, hey, living water sounds good. Give me some of that so I don't have to come here and draw. She took them very literally. These guys are saying the same thing. We want that bread. But they're thinking still physical and natural and temporal. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, he's not saying that we'll never be hungry or we'll never be thirsty. He's saying man's greatest need is to connect with the God who made him, to worship the true and living God. And I can satisfy your deepest hunger and your greatest thirst. The one the woman at the well ultimately recognized when she changed the subject from the things he was talking to her about to worship because that was her passion. I just want to worship. And he said, it's got to be in spirit and in truth. And now he's saying, come to me, your greatest hunger, your greatest need, your greatest thirst, I'll satisfy both. But I said to you that you've seen me and do not yet believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I'll by no means cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Listen, there are themes that are developed here, and, and one of my habits in my early years, and I continue them, though not in this new Bible. I have a Bible that I've had since I was very young in the Lord. It was a hardback Bible because it's easier to write notes in it, and, and I destroyed the cover. I just wore it out, and I got a new cover, and I destroyed that and wore it out, and, and now I'm looking for someone who can recover that thing. So if you happen to have that skill or know somebody who does, I never do this, but I'm doing it. I'm saying, hey, talk to me about this. And here's why. The people that recovered it both of the other times, they were in paradise. And I don't know what happened to them or if they're still around. But if you know, let me know. Not right now, just, you know, we'll talk after, right? So, so here's the point. The themes that developed in this particular passage, if you go through and you find something that seems significant and then you notice, wow, he says it again and again and again, I would like circle those in, in yellow. If it was mentioning him personally, I would underline that in blue. If it was the spirit, I would, would box it in. If it was the father, you know. I, anyway, I had this whole color coding thing and I can look at that Bible, not this one, but I can look at that Bible, which I don't have with me because it's falling apart. But, uh, but and, and I see the theme and it's just a mind-blowing thing to see how many, how he's weaving these themes together to present this amazing picture 
that's going to radically impact their lives and ours as well. So I'll do my best as we go through just to mention the ones that I can remember as we go, but you should take time later. Get one of those drafting pencils. Oh, we sell them in the bookstore now. Used to have to go downtown to get them and uh, different colors. And just, if you don't want to mark up your Bible, borrow someone's Bible and just mark up theirs and <laughs> get an inexpensive one. We have them in the back. You can just take one, but, but do this. You will be so blessed to do it. So, so he's talking about the will of the Father. And why is that important? Because we all want to know the will of God. But usually, truth be told, when we want to know the will of God, it has to do with some decision we need to make. We're at some crossroads and we need to know, should I go this way or that way? Or, or, or we're, we're trying to figure out the future. Should I take this or take that in school? Or should I take this job or that job? Should I pursue this as a career? Those are difficult decisions because they're, they're life impacting decisions. But the bottom line is the will of the father who sent Jesus is more than life impacting. It's everlasting life impacting. So, so he's going to tell us the will of the father and it doesn't even mention, should you wear the blue shirt or the green one? And if you pick the wrong one, will he make you spill something on it? Because you know, no, anyway, you get it. So she says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent me that of all he's given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. It's why he can say with absolute confidence, those who come to him, they'll, he'll never leave them. He'll never forsake them. You're in his hands and the father's hands. No one will ever snatch you out. We are absolutely secure in Jesus. And he says, the father's will is that I lose none of you, but I would raise you up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up the last day. So he goes from having salvation to the reality of resurrection and life eternal. Listen, it's already begun for those of us who believe in Jesus, who've given our lives to Jesus. We're not waiting for the gift of everlasting life. We're in it. We've embraced it. But life just gets better and better as we walk with him and grow in him as he does the impossible in us and through us. Well, it's important. All the father gives me will come to me. That's how this little section started in verse 37. It's a reminder that we should be praying to the Father. I love that we, we, we prayed the Our Father together, the Lord's Prayer together, because we should be praying for those people we're concerned for, those who've yet to come to the Lord, those who've drifted away from the Lord. And we, we all know people of, of both types. We should be praying to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Spirit, but we should be just saying, Father, you love them. You sent Jesus to die for him. I don't know how to get through to him. I don't know how to bring him back to you, but you do, Lord. If you want to use me, use me. If you want to use someone else, Lord, please just don't let them die in their sin. And listen, that's a prayer he's going to answer because it's not his will any perish, but all come to repentance. Well, a series of radical revelations and promises follow. Not that it's not already radical that he says, if you believe in him, you have everlasting life. And you have the promise of resurrection in the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? 
Apparently they missed the memo on the whole virgin birth thing. And here's why this is a problem. They should have known where he was going to be born because even Herod was able to access that information. They should have known the time he would be born because that was commonly understood. The Messiah is coming and this is going to be the season. They should have known, but they didn't know because they didn't take the trouble to seek and search it out. They thought that Joseph was Jesus' dad. Of course, he wasn't Jesus' dad. Jesus was born miraculously. He came down from heaven because he is the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. They didn't know that he was born miraculously. And, and the other thing is they didn't bother to find out that he was born in Bethlehem, something that was prophesied and something that he had accomplished. They say at one point, uh, we know no prophet comes out of Galilee. They're, they're talking about Jesus as if he were Galilean. And by the way, they were wrong about both. They're wrong about Jesus. He's not from Galilee. He's from Bethlehem in the south. And no prophet comes out of Galilee. What about Jonah? He's from that region. And he came out of Galilee. So all of that to say, they're missing what was available to them. And sadly, that's happening for so many people today, there's never been a time in history where the word of God wasn't easier to access. I have dozens now of translations in, I mean, you know, from different, different uh, versions of the scripture, from translations to English, from different regions where they had scripture. And, but all of that to say this, those are all avail available to me on my phone, on my tablet, on my computer, but I still have the written you know, living word of God that I keep with me. And, and so anyway, he, he goes on as they, they share their, their problem. Jesus answers saying, don't murmur among yourself. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. That's why we pray to the father, draw my son to you, draw my wife to you, draw my husband to you, draw my dad to you or my mom. And listen, all of us who've given our life to the Lord have people around us who haven't. And we just, we can't do anything more than we're doing. Live a godly life, love them as much as, as we know how and pray for more love and peace and compassion and, and patience and kindness for them. But, but in the midst of that, the Father can change hearts. That's, that's something he can actually do. So, so he's saying, it, it, it's, it's about the father. No one comes to me unless the father draws him and I will raise him up the last day. Verse 45, as it is, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. Have you noticed he's mentioned the father a lot here? He has seen the father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life, not will have or might obtain, saying you put your faith in me, you have everlasting life. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you have everlasting life. And there are days where you probably feel like you're doing good with him and days where you feel like you're not. But he doesn't say trust your feelings because your feelings lie and they can change in a moment. But his word never changes and he never lies. Well, he goes on then to say, after verse 47, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. 
They're dead. And this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Listen, I doubt that Peter and the guys fully understand what Jesus is saying at this point about these issues, but they've already determined to forsake all and follow him. They are disciples and they're in it for life, all but one. And the bottom line, as, as people begin to murmur and quarrel among themselves, as we read in verse 52, the, the disciples for the most part had just settled in. I don't understand all the stuff he says. I wish he wouldn't say some of that stuff. And, and probably here they're thinking, Lord, please just let this go. But anyway, the Jews are quarreling among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? But Jesus doesn't back off or soften it. He actually doubles down as he did earlier in our passage last time. He goes on to say, not just eating his flesh, but unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, there in verse 53, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We could pause for just one second to say, these are Jewish people. They don't even eat pork and they certainly don't eat people. They're not cannibals and they don't drink blood because that was forbidden to them. And it's a good idea not to drink it, by the way. People have that blood sausage. I'm like, hold the blood, you know, sausage, maybe. But for Jews, no sausage and no blood. And, and Jesus is saying, you got to eat my body and you got to drink my blood. And I imagine the disciples are just thinking, there he goes, you know. Now, what are we going to deal with? Well, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He said that the father sent him to give that gift. And now he's saying, you've got to partake of me in reality, not just believe stuff about me. You need to actually ingest me. I need to be a part of you. He'll call that later abiding in him and he in us. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So life everlasting already in the promise of resurrection in that day. For my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father, he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Well, these things, John writes, verse 59, he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. It's powerful to get that news now. He's not just out in public. He's in the synagogue where this is more formal and it's more, well, all the religious leaders are gathered together and all the people wanting to learn and hear are gathered there. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Turns out that most of the things he was saying were hard, at least for the first disciples, because he'd teach out in the uh, open. And, uh, and, and then the, the disciples would be standing there like most of us guys, just nodding and yep, yep, that's it. You'd listen to him. And then they'd go in the house and be like, hey, what in the world are you talking about out there? Because they had trouble understanding these things because they're spiritually discerned, you see. And, and so he's teaching in the synagogue. It's hard saying, who can understand? When Jesus knew in himself, his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? The word means, is this stumbling you? 
Is this too much for you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That's the key. And it's so radical to think that, that at this point, I'm sure some had drifted off already. Some had moved on already. And now he's explaining it. Not talking about literally eating my body or drinking my blood. Not physically, not naturally, because neither of those make sense to anyone. But I'm doing, well, listen, what he did to Nick, he said, you must be born again, anew from above, of the spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is the spirit. Marvel not that I say you must be born again. To the woman at the well, living water that will well up inside of her to everlasting life. That imagery will come back and it'll be in the context of speaking of the spirit flowing to us and filling us to overflowing and flowing out into the lives of those around us. So in any case, he says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, Jesus says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I've said to you, no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Don't imagine the father's a roadblock, though, in the process. He so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no way the Father doesn't want all to come to Christ. But we know, and John already shared, men love darkness more than light, so they won't come to the light. They like living in their deception, so they won't come to the truth. They like thinking they're good enough as they are, so they won't come and confess they need a Savior and need his forgiveness. Well, Jesus says, verse, 60, uh, verse 65, I said to you, no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by the Father. I want to say, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, the Father's drawn you. Whatever you think brought you, he brought you so that you could hear the truth that set us free, freed us from our sins, freed us from death, freed us from, from all of those things, condemnation and every other thing that life is apart from Jesus. But from that time, one of the saddest verses added to, you know, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Here in John 6, 6, 6, how easy is that to remember? John 6, 6, 6, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. He's not talking about the 12. He had a lot of people following him. He sent them out in large numbers. But at this point, a lot of them are like, I can't understand it. I don't like it. I'm not even going to try to find out what he's actually getting at. But he just said it. These words I speak are spirit. And they are life. This is sadly common today, but Jesus explained already in well, the other gospel accounts how this happens. The good seed is sown and the enemy comes and steals it away. Says, oh, that's not true or that's crazy talker. What do you think that's? Well, no way. That's not for you. Or people embrace. We hear the message. We embrace it. We're celebrating it, rejoicing in it. And then all of a sudden, our faceless friends, our Facebook friends, and by ours, I mean yours, they start to unfriend you. I want to say I've never been unfriended once, but because I don't have any friends. <laughs> and I like it that way. I don't need to know what people I can't get face to face with think of me or how they think this is all crazy or stupid or a waste of time. They should go waste their time telling someone else that. These words are life. 
and we've embraced them. So, so it happens that persecution, when it comes, and it comes in so many forms, but today it comes in the form of you opening your phone and somebody just ragging on you and telling you you're dumb and you're stupid and they don't want to be friends with you anymore. He says, when persecution comes, many fall away. So the good seed doesn't take root if Satan steals it and doesn't take root if the persecution causes you to fall away. And then he says, the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches can choke out the good seed so it never produces any fruit. But every heart that's prepared, desiring to hear and know and understand, man, the word takes root and it just blossoms up and produces fruit and changes lives, yours and the lives of those around you. Well, anyway, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Well, Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go? Do you want to go away? Do you also want to go away? He chose them to follow him. They forsook all to follow him. And Peter speaks for the gang and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe. The word means to have faith in and put faith in and trust in and rely upon, but not just believe in him, but to know experientially and personally. It's the word gnosko. It's to have a, we have a real experience with you. And we know you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We know that's a revelation from heaven. God has to turn the lights on for, for it to make sense to someone that, that hasn't understood. But know this, Jesus says to Peter, and it's not recorded here, but elsewhere upon this rock, I will build my church. What's that rock? Peter's testimony of who he is and what it means. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Jesus answered and said, did I not choose you the 12? And one of you is a devil. This he spoke of Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the 12. Elsewhere, he calls Judas the son of perdition. Here, a devil. And listen, he was chosen with the others. He traveled with the others. He was empowered as were the others. He went out and worked miracles in Jesus' name. And yet he never fully committed his life to Jesus. He didn't one day wake up and decide, I'm gonna betray Jesus today. No, and when Jesus at the Last Supper said, one of you will betray me, none of them, they, 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 um, none of them thought it might be him. They all said, could it be me? The right question to ask. So I ask you today, do you know that you know that you know that you're in Christ Jesus and that he lives in you? Have you surrendered your life and given your life to the one who surrendered his life and gave his life so you could have life abundant and life eternal. Listen, the words he speaks to us, they're spirit and they are life. And it's possible to hang out with us to improve your life temporally. If your marriage is struggling, you start coming to church, you've probably heard it. Maybe some of you are here because of it. When you hear how God loves and you realize he wants you to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and you have an example of it and you've never seen that before, you can just learn from the Bible and, and, and try to be better and, and you can make some progress, but it's all in the temporal. Spiritual progress is everlasting. And so I'm not saying, hey, if you're not a, a Christian, you shouldn't be here. I'm saying stay and keep coming, but give your life to the Lord Jesus because in him is life and he who has the son has life and he who is not the son of God 
does not have life. Thinking about when Pastor Sam said that Judas did not wake up one morning and say, I think I'm gonna betray Jesus today, that gave me pause for thought. So many people say they're not against Jesus and have nothing bad to say about him, they just have decided not to follow him or believe in him. Well, look at what the Lord says in Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Anyone listening to this broadcast that cannot say with certainty that they are with Jesus truly need to consider their position on this. Now you might not mean any harm, but still harm will come from that position. And that harm is to you and your eternal soul. Be with him and not against him and be scattered abroad. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico and you can visit our website ccchico.com or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.